Welcome to this pre-recorded worship service coming to you from Church of the Palms set to be broadcast on September the 20th. We're glad that you're with us and we especially welcome you as we continue down our journey of exploring the fruit of the Spirit. This month in September we're looking at the fruit of love and we look forward to experiencing God's love in the midst of our exploration about how God works his love through us to our neighbor. So let us now prepare our hearts and minds as we seek to worship God. Thank you. 
It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made us glad by your work. At the work of your hands we sing for joy. Let us worship God. and hide our pain and our brokenness from the stories that we tell each other as well as ourselves. The God who created us, however, knows our true stories and loves us anyway. He invites us to live into the total story, the difficult as well as the good. So let us confess our sins from our whole story and not just our favorite chapters. We fear to approach you with our confession, holy God, for you may require changes in us that are costly. You ask us to have the mind of Christ, a mind free of pretense and self-interest. You challenge us to lay aside our advantages to go where you send us. We fear the loss of security if we are obedient. It is hard to see ourselves as exploiters when we pursue advantages for, for our families. It is difficult to consider others when we feel like victims. We confess our need for you and our desire to find your purpose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
The good news is that when we face ourselves and God with the awareness of our need, we are forgiven and we're given the grace to grow and the courage to continue the journey to become more like him. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Each week, we return to the roots of our faith as we share the Apostles' Creed together. Would you please share it with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We're now at that point of the service where we want to exchange our greetings and our peace with one another. And in a moment, we invite you to share with your loved ones as we soon hope to do with you sometime soon in person. While you are passing the peace, we want to show you a glimpse of what our church is doing to serve others through the food bank. We really do need volunteers at the food bank as we return to our former ways of handling and dis, uh, distributing food. You can call the church office or sign up on the church's website. Now let us pass the peace together as we watch the video.
Welcome to worship. We are so delighted that you have joined us. We are excited to be reopening the church for live worship on October 11th for all three services. We are going to be moving gently forward in an effort to keep everybody safe, which means that we will be asking you to make reservations the week before the service, and that while you're on campus that you would wear a mask all the way through the worship service. It is our opportunity that we have to take care of one another. So while our live worship will be more reflective with the sermon and some prayers and reflective music without singing, we will continue to offer our full live recorded service that you have been um, receiving over this whole time of the pandemic. We thank you for your patience as we charter these un as we navigate these unchartered waters. We're looking forward to um, having some more people join our growing digital ministry team. So if you are someone who prefers to be behind the scenes and you're open to learning something new, we would love to have you join us. We will give you all the training that you need. And if you're interested in joining this important ministry, just reach out to Sarah Soboleski. Well, we have started to offer some small-sized exercise classes in the Palm Center. These classes include uh, firm believers on Mondays and Fridays at 9.30, chair yoga on Mondays at 2.30, gentle grace yoga on Tuesdays at 12.30, and a vitality exercise class on Fridays at 2.30. We are taking all safety precautions into place, and the firm believers is only $3 per class, and all the other classes are only $5. It is such a great thing to do for our bodies and our souls. We hope that you will join us when you are ready to come back and just know that all of this information, you can find it on our website. Well, tomorrow is the deadline to turn in your selfie with your filled out form of what love is to you. You can find this in our Connect magazine. You can download it from the eBlast or from our website, or you can make your own poster. Jot in what love is, take a picture, send it to Jackie Gomez by uh, the 21st of September. And remember, as we are exploring the fruit of love during the month of September, Pastor Steve has encouraged and even challenged us all to write a love letter to someone special. Our race and the church team will be hosting another book discussion. This time we're going to be talking about The Color of Compromise, The Truth About the American Church's Complicity in Racism by Jamar Tisby. We're hoping that you will join us as we seek to understand our church's history so that we can move forward in loving our neighbors of all creeds, all cultures, and all races. We hope that you will join us on Zoom. This is on Monday, September 28th at 6 o'clock. It is not too late to join a Love Does discussion group. Contact Pastor Mingy or join us for Lectio Divina on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Or, of course, God in Hollywood that is continuing with Pastor Steve. And this week they're going to be talking about the movie Tender Mercies at 6.30. Register online for that Zoom link. 
but we are so excited to introduce to you six new members who have met with Pastor Mingy and have chosen to join us in our mission. These members are Carol Brown, Roland and D. Hyenga, Ellen Hayes, Justin and Jennifer Tyna, along with their boys, Markham and Jackson. We are so grateful to have these fine people joining our church, and we look forward to serving side by side. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we praise you for calling us to be a servant people and for gathering us into the body of Christ. We thank you for choosing to add to our number Carol, Roland, Dee, Ellen, Justin, Jennifer, and their boys Markham and Jackson as we live into our mission of loving God and loving neighbor. Open our hearts and arms to receive them and bless each of them on their journey. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One Hundred Love Sonnets, number 17, a poem by Pablo Neruda. I don't love you as if you were a rose of salt, topaz, or arrow of carnations that propagate fire. I love you as one loves certain obscure things, secretly, between the shadow and the soul. I love you as the plant that doesn't bloom, but carries the light of those flowers hidden within itself. And thanks to your love, the tight aroma that arose from the earth lives dimly in my body. I love you without knowing how or when or from where. I love you directly without problems or pride. I love you like this because I don't know any other way to love except in this form in which I am not nor are you. So close that your hand upon my chest is mine. So close that your eyes close with my dreams. Let us turn to God in prayer. God of all creation, we come to you this morning with a mixture of joys and worries as we continue to sail into unknown waters. The journey is not always smooth, O oh God, and we are trying to find the best path in this long-lasting storm. But we don't always let you take the helm and therefore often find ourselves coming too close to danger. O oh God, lead us to calmer waters. We ask for your protection from the natural disasters that are erupting around our country. We pray for those who have lost everything in those fires on the West Coast. We are heartbroken to see your beautiful creation go up in flames and ask that you would guide us in finding meaningful ways to bring comfort to those who suffer. We pray for those who are facing the aftermath of Hurricane Sally. We pray for the teachers in our country 
who face the risk of getting ill so that they can serve our children, who are learning new technology, who must respond to anxious parents, who have raspy voices from teaching with a mask on, who probably don't sleep very well at night. We pray for the leaders of our country that they may seek to appease the unrest from the citizens and strive to find unity between Americans again. We pray for those who serve in the military and risk their lives for our freedom, that they may feel the reward and the value of their daily sacrifice. We pray for all the church leaders our dear pastors who are going above and beyond to stay close to their congregation in a time when we are safer at home. We pray for their peace of mind as they also work tirelessly to find ways to feed their sheep and seek to do your will in a world where we cannot easily gather in large groups, visit the sick, and comfort the dying. Bring these leaders the rest they need. Nourish their soul as they seek to serve your people. We give you thanks for their continued wisdom and leadership in these difficult times. We pray for those who have lost family members and for those who are sick. We pray for those who are lonely and becoming depressed. Lead us to calmer waters, O Lord. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we come to the time where we get to give thanks to God for all the blessings that we do continue to receive despite the difficult times. Your gifts help us continue to serve those in need, which we get to do daily here at Church of the Palms through our food pantry and the missions that we support. The different ways of giving are listed on your screen. Let us give with a joyful heart.
Let us pray. We love you, God, because you love us first. We give you our offerings and tithings today because you have given us all that we have. We pray that you'll bless these, our gift of gratitude and love, and multiply them so that this whole world may be filled with people who love you, who practice justice and peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So now it is the time we call children's sermon. I hope you children and of all sizes are gathered around in front of TV for a little bit because I want something really important to tell you today. This month has been filled with talking and teaching and preaching about love. So I want to tell you how to say love in all the languages I know and a few more that I learned since yesterday. Look carefully, this is love in most of your language, in English. You may repeat after me, love. And this is love in my language, one of my two languages, it's called a chit. You may say a chit after me. And this is in Jenny's language in Korea. Sarang, that means love, right? Sarang, sarang is love. And so this one is in Greek, one of the four different ways of saying love. This one is what Pastor Steve is going to preach about, eros. You may say eros after me. And this one's a little difficult. Lieber, I think, in German, Lieber. One of my very good friends is German, but I don't speak German. And this one is in Hindi, one of the languages my husband will grew up with. It is Prem. Prem means love in Hindi. I don't speak Japanese, but my friend Yoko does. And she told me that love in Japanese is I. So you may say I after me. And I don't speak Spanish, but my friend Jackie does. She told me love in Spanish is amor. I hope I'm right, amor. You may say that after me or not. <laughs> that is my favorite one. It is love in my mother tongue called miso. It's called mangaina. You may say after me, mangaina. So I hope you remember a few of these. I will remember maybe half of them myself, but let's love one another and love God. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O oh God, for loving us all the time. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to love you, how to love one another, and how to love our neighbors we have from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Our scripture lesson this morning comes from a book in the Bible that very few Presbyterians read. It is a book in the Bible, actually, that very few Christians read, for that matter. It is one of the two books in the Bible that actually does not even mention the name God, the other one being Esther. So maybe for that reason, folks don't usually turn to the Song of Solomon. There are no pithy verses about God to be found there. Instead, this is a book about love, and in particular, what we might call romantic love or even carnal love. It's a book of love poems, some of them a bit graphic in a biblical sort of way, and I suppose it is the latent Puritanism in the church that steers us preachers away from this book. But today, in our examination of the fruit of the spirit of love, we are looking at another one of the four Greek words for love, and this one is eros. We've looked at storge, family love, phileo, friendship love, and today it's eros love, romantic, carnal, sexual love. Eris, which we, from which we get the word erotic. Erotic is not a word you hear much in church, so you may already start feeling uncomfortable. But along with the rest of the loves, eros is so basic to our human nature, it's a pretty strange thing that we don't talk more about it, at least from the pulpit. So today, we will let the poetry of God's word open for us this subject of eros love. The Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among maidens. As an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his intention toward me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Oh, that his left hand were under my head, and that his right hand embraced me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles of the wild does, do not stir up or awaken love until it is ready. The voice of my beloved, look, he comes leaping upon the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away, for now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the covert of the cliff, let me see your face let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely catch us the foxes the little foxes that ruin the vineyards for our vineyards are in blossom my beloved is mine and I am his he pastures his flock among the lilies until the day breeze and the shadows flee turn my beloved like a gazelle or a young stag on the cleft mountains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray.
Gracious God, by your grace and through your mercy, we pray that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. When I was in third grade, I wrote a note. It was on a piece of loose leaf paper. And the note I wrote said this, Dear Cindy, I like you, Steve. I folded it up about eight times, put Cindy's name on the outside, and raised my hand and asked if I could sharpen my pencil. And when given permission, I conveniently passed by where Cindy was sitting and slid the note onto her desk. I sharpened my pencil and returned to my desk and then waited for the moment of truth. She sat a few desks behind me, so every once in a while I would casually look back for the opportunity to exchange glances. And the first couple of times I looked back, she was looking elsewhere. But then finally came the moment when our eyes locked and, and she smiled. Oh my goodness, my little third grade heart began to melt. Later at recess, we stared at each other from a distance, and after school, I got up the nerve to catch up to her as she walked home. My legs putty, my mouth dry. We probably said three words to each other, but the romance of the century was on its way. Three weeks later, we were through when Mike Grimmer captured her heart. Love is not an easy game. Love is not an easy game, especially when you are trying to find the love of your life. Notes get passed, kisses get stolen by the jungle gym, jittery fingers dial the phone for the first date, hands get held in the movie theater, gifts get given, dances get danced, knees get bent, and hands get asked for in marriage. A tough road, this thing called love, eros love, that is. Eros love is this capturing love. It's a, it's a love that sneaks up on you. We, we, we call it falling in love for, for good reason, for it happens to us like tripping over a crack in the sidewalk. Nothing planned, it just happens to you, and there's, and there's not much you can do about it. But there is much that it does to you. Eros has its way of flooding our brooks and overflowing our banks. It has its way of, of taking over. There, there is no subject over which songs have been sung and poems have been written more so than the gift of Eros love. How do I love thee, wrote Elizabeth Barrett Browning to her lover. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Oh, my love is like a red, red rose that's newly sprung in June, wrote the old Scottish poet. Oh, my love is like the melody that's sweetly played in tune. Something in the way she moves attracts me like no other lover, sang the Beatles. Something in the way she woos me. And of course, Shakespeare's sonnets being your slave, what should I do but tend upon the hours and times of your desire? I have no precious time at all to spend nor services to do till you require. 
And then even from our text this morning, as an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house and his intention toward me was love. There is no more capturing love and for, for most there is no greater yearning than to find the love of your life, the love of body, mind, and spirit, the love of partnership, the, the love of a soulmate, the love of physical attraction, the love of kindred spirits, the love of eternal joining. And, and when it comes, there is nothing more deeply and personally felt and, and nothing more difficult to explain. Everyone's need for a partner is different. There's a lid for every pot, the saying goes. No, no one can explain the love that one person has for another. God knows why the love of my life said yes to me some 39 years ago, but thank God she did. Such a mystery. You and I can look at another couple and wonder what in heaven's name do they see in each other, but it's not up to us to judge, nor to evaluate, nor even to express our opinion upon. For the truth is, over the history of God's people, the understanding of eros and the understanding of romance and the understanding of covenant and the understanding of marriage have seismically changed. For the longest time in scripture, the idea of the love of your life Life was so different than it is today. Many of the great heroes of the Old Testament had more than one wife. King Solomon, the namesake of our biblical book today, had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and still the Bible editors named a book after him. Of course, the idea of mutuality and marriage was something unheard of back then. Women were considered more property than partners subject to the whims of their husbands. Jesus was considered radical to suggest that men should see in a woman more a soulmate to be cherished than chattel to be exchanged. But even then, for the next couple thousand years, it was still men with the upper hand. It took a long time for the idea of mutuality in love to take hold. And even so, this idea of mutual, romantic, eros, covenantal love can meet up still with objections from family, from friends, from church, from government. When my mother and father fell hopelessly in love back in 1945 and in a couple of short months decided to get married, my grandfather, my mother's father, was none too pleased. His biggest objection outside the rush to the altar was that she was marrying a soon-to-be minister? God forbid. Couldn't you marry a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, but not some poor preacher? Love is love. Eros is Eros, and buried in a box of family papers, I still have the letter she wrote to her father explaining all the reasons why he was the man of her dreams. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Love defies all logic, defies all prohibition. 
when my spiritual hero, C.S. Lewis, a confirmed bachelor most of his life, began to correspond with an American woman, Joy Davidman, back in the early 50s, a former communist she, a former atheist, soon to be divorcee, what he didn't know was that with each letter he received from her, quite strangely, quite miraculously, an affection was beginning to grow. And, and when she came to visit, the affection grew further. And when she moved to England, it grew further. And when she was dying, diagnosed with bone cancer, he realized that he had fallen in love with her, him in his mid-50s and for the first time falling in love. Would you marry me, he asks at her hospital bedside. Yes, she says. The only problem was that she had been divorced and the Church of England prohibited marriage of those who had been divorced. But they were in love and this poor woman was dying. Couldn't God give them this gift of marriage before the end of her days? Lewis visited the bishop and presented his case and the bishop said, no, a rule's a rule. We have found the, techni te the technicality big enough to stand in the way of your consummating the gift you feel so deeply inside and which you believe God has given you. So Lewis, the great giant of the church, visits a local priest, a friend of his, Peter Bide, and begs him to preside over the sacred vows they wish to take to be married in the eyes of God. At the risk of his ecclesiastical career, Reverend Bide steps outside the bounds of canon law and pronounces them husband and wife in the eyes of God. How could you do otherwise? How could you deny the sacred journey of Eros love? There is such mystery, isn't there, in this tense and deeply personal gift that God gives us in Eros. There's, there's no explaining it. There's no dissecting it. There's no analyzing it. It's just something that happens. It's something that captures. It's something that envelops in the church of Jesus, puts a liturgy around it, and says that when two souls fall in love and wish to form a covenantal union and pursue the long and winding road of two becoming one, that it is a most sacred thing, and it's holy, isn't it? Eris is not casual. It's not random. Eris doesn't, isn't just because it feels good. Eris is intimate. It's vulnerable. It is holy ground. When we join ourselves to another in body, mind, and spirit, we are entering the sacred space of another human being. We welcome, at least we should then, the blessed presence of the author of love. We invite God to join us in our longing and in our bonding. And yet as mysterious and as sacred as such longing is, we still manage to find ways to stand in its way. It, it wasn't until 1967, for example, when, when most of America, even most of the church, was, was still saying to interracial couples that no sacred love could therein exist. It wasn't until 67 that the Supreme Court of the land stepped in and said that such prohibitions are inhuman, that they take away the right that God intends to express and make sacred, sacred this heiress gift between any person of any race, this expression of authentic mutuality and covenantal partnership. 
And because this gift of God is so sacred, so personal, so mysterious, and because we have let too easily in the past our prejudices blind us to the human and spiritual yearnings of others, the church is beginning to see that when folks of the same gender are captured by such love, who are we to stand in the way of allowing them this loving journey of partnership and union? For it is not good for the human to be alone, God says back in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. It's not good to keep a soul from joining with another soul to experience the fullest measure of authentic partnered love of body, mind, and spirit that the joy and comfort I take for granted is a joy and comfort that God intends for every human being who is granted the gift of another soul with whom to be one for we all need someone, don't we, to join us in the journey to partner with us down life's uncertain path. It makes me think of the story of Jim McKay. Jim McKay, the, the famous sports broadcaster who died several years ago, told of the fact, this astonishing fact, that this famous broadcaster, Jim McKay, who looked so calm and cool and composed on camera as he reported to us some of the great moments in sports history, that this man who seemed to have it all together on the screen suffered from a profound anxiety before the camera. He was embarrassed about his short stature and what he considered his below average looks. It, it, it led to a nervous breakdown when he was young. And after about a year of recovery, McKay used to say that from then on, whenever he stood before the camera to face the millions and millions of people who were tuning in, he would not let himself think about the millions. The only person he thought of was his wife. It was his only way of getting through a broadcast pretending that the only person he was talking to was his partner, a conversation with his beloved Margaret. Holy ground. And it's that holy ground, isn't it, that God from the very beginning has wanted for his children, for them to know that they're not alone, that there is someone in the crowd, the big, big crowd, who returns our gaze with a smile, who cheers for us from the other side, who still sets our soul aflutter. So I remember the time when my granddaddy died, the man who was so worried about the poor preacher as a son-in-law and who came later to love him and welcome him and respect him. We got the news of his death and made our way down from Michigan to Pennsylvania for his funeral. And the day before the funeral, we spent the better part of the afternoon and evening at the funeral home greeting well-wishers as was the custom back then. Granddaddy had a lot of friends and colleagues from town where he had lived all his life except when he was away in the trenches in France during the Great War. It was quite a crowd in that funeral home and I remembered most of those people from a few years before when they had come to celebrate the 50th anniversary of grandfather and grandmother, jo Bob and Josephine. And I remember when the evening drew to a close and the crowd had all gone to their homes and the last visitors had paid their respects, that there was just us family there and we all gathered at the casket to say goodbye for the last time. And after a moment, we all stepped away to give Josephine her time, her time with her beloved. 
and for a moment she stood alone glancing at the man with whom she had first exchanged glances over a half century before. And then it was her hand, her hand that so gently laid on his folded hands, those hands that had enfolded hers so long before. And then a pat, a pat goodbye. Out of all the crowd, just one, one soul, one pat, one goodbye. So we pass our notes, steal our kisses, hold our hands, bend our knees, and ask for forever. For Eros has come and filled our brooks and flooded our banks and led us to the one who will join us and with God's help join to us, the one who will become one with us, the one who each day will say hello and one day say goodbye.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.